Yeah, that's it. And look, the process is the same. It's just an extra zero on the end. 10% on a million pound is more than 10% on a 100,000 pound. So, yeah. Deals can be done. We've had students in the past that have done developments in London. Welcome to the Property Developers Secrets Podcast. Making developments more achievable. Welcome to the Property Developers Secrets Podcast with myself, Lloyd Girardi. And myself, Andy Cook. In this episode, we're going to be talking about London. You sound like you're from London. Um, <laughs> you certainly don't. Not <laughs> well, films that's forgetting Sarah Marshall. Okay. That's where that comes from. Um, I don't know why I always think of London and go, London. Um, yeah, where are we going? We're going to talk London. I have no idea, mate, to be honest. <laughs> oh dear, what a start to an episode. Um, can you do property developing in London? That is the question we're going to answer. Ask and answer. Yes. Next podcast. <laughs> right, let's move on then. Um, yeah, give no, me a bit of context. <laughs> you can, is the, is the simple answer, but there's different things to look for. So the difference with London uh, opposed to outside, let's, let's call it outside the M25. So when we're talking London, we're going to talk inside the M25. It's what most people talk about. It's what lenders talk about when they sort of talk about London and is it in the M25? Is it out of the M25? So... The difference being is there's more, I suppose there's more people looking for deals in London. So the competition is harder. There's not as much land available in London as there is outside of London. So you've got more sort of yeah farmland, although farmland's not great, but um, towns, there's probably a bit more sort of give outside the settlement boundary, whereas London's very strict, very sort of this is where you can build, nowhere else to build. It's all been taken up by the big boys, apparently, and all sorts. So it's harder in London to do land developments. I think it's easier in London to do commercial conversions because there's so many derelict buildings and you've got the the end values. So that's the key as well. I think from from like a, an investment point of view, from you know private investors and also development lenders, you know everyone's heard of London, haven't they? You know, you get the overseas investors. We hear it all the time, don't we? They'll do London, Manchester, sometimes Liverpool, Birmingham maybe, but London's the big one. It's just what they've heard of, isn't it? Yeah. You know, if we think of other countries, you know, if we went to, you know, we, we would know the capital cities and the main cities just like that and all the remote places around it you've never heard of. So you've got no confidence in it. So quite naturally, they want to do it. It doesn't matter that the, the, the figures might not actually stack up as well from a developer's point of view in London to like that. We've just done one in Wellingborough, um, you know, a, a, thir- a 24 flat conversion. It's an up and coming area. It's actually just what you should be looking for, an area which has got great links to London. And, um, you know, it's it's great for commuting and all that kind of stuff, but it's cheaper house prices. It's um, house prices. It's um, it's going to be gentrified soon, which is, you know, it's on the, 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 the where it's all going to grow as an area. It's got new schools, new air, new shopping areas and all those kind of things. So you're catching it at the right time to be part of that wave. But investors aren't interested in it because they've never heard of it. No, <laughs> they've just heard of London, who's been through a lot of that. And then you obviously get sort of nucleuses of that, which get gentrified and, and bought up and become cool and all those kind of things. So it all happens in all areas. But the good thing is that, you know, you've got the... That they can they, they carry the name, they carry the confidence, but they also carry the end values, don't they? Yeah. The bad thing is you you've got a high entry value. 
Yeah, people ask me all the time, oh, should I, do it? should I develop in London? Yeah, if you live there, let, do it. That's where you are. Um, there are more people around you that probably have more money because if the area's expensive, then people have got to pay for that area. So generally, and this is a generalisation, but most people around that area would have more money than someone that lives in, again, use Wellingborough example, the price in Wellingborough aren't high that much. So you're not going to have people that can afford it too much in London. So you do get people that, live there that can probably afford to pay for your deal or invest in your deal as well so you've got that to help you you've got the end values as you say to help you um lenders as well is another thing lenders love london some people don't even lend outside of london because again it's that whole well i don't know don't really know the market not sure um some lenders don't even don't lend in scotland for the same sort of thing i don't know the market it's a different uh, law to it, it all to itself and things so I think London, you've got so much more going for you that, yeah, the only the, the only struggle is finding land. So this is where I think you should be focusing on commercial conversions. Yeah, like you said, there's lots of buildings um, and we're, we're SME developers, small to medium um, developers. We're doing small sites. So, you know, that's the sort of thing we should be looking for. But again, if you're looking for confidence in there, I was in, I was in London last week, you know, it's half term here took the kids down we had a day day down there you did it the week before with your kids didn't you and um you know i didn't get on the tube because they don't go there all the time so i wanted them to see in between going to like the london eye and all that kind of stuff from st pancras and we jumped in an uber and you know we're looking at and the amount of development going on but the amount of really small footprint sites but that are being developed into these big tower blocks and you know they're got some funky shaped stuff with curves and like thin at the bottom and then they grow as they go up to get the footprint on the upper floors because it's such a, a small footprint on the ground floor. Um, you know, the, the cost of that sort of stuff, you know, we did, I've just watched that bloody Claridge's program where they've put built five, six basements, six floor basements under Claridge's. Claridge's is yeah. one of the most prestigious hotels in London. And then they put about bloody four stories on top with a penthouse as well with a bloody river or something in it that's you know, a key point as well like going down in london is just as it just as valuable as going up because you know, we can't go down in northampton or wellingborough where we are because the values aren't there it, mm. it costs a lot to go down well uh, people say that you know we did simpson simpson's milton Keynes. yeah it's not that far from london and everyone who came and visited that site when we were building it these were four um three and four bedroom no four and five four bedroom five. houses yeah and um, everyone who came to visit it was from London said, why are you not putting the loft? Like, why are you, why are you wasting all that floor space in yeah. the loft? But in Milton Keynes, just 40 minutes away, it's not cost effective. We were already building 1,800 um, square foot houses. To build that extra floor, we would have topped out on the GDV, the, the gross development value for that house. We would have been building it for free almost, maybe a little bit of an uplift. Um, but in London, if you can find airspace, if you can... Put, you know, and we're not talking massive developments here. If you get a terraced house where you can put a dormer window on the back or build into the loft and do a loft conversion, it can turn a, you know, a six hundred thousand pound terraced house into nine hundred fifty thousand. But the build cost isn't going to be that, you know, that big a chunk at all. You know, you might spend a hundred grand on the build. So you can get those mega uplifts by doing simple work in other areas of the country, which you just or in London, which you would never get in other areas of the country. You said about um, basements there, so. You know, years ago we went to see that one, didn't we? Remember, um, yeah, yeah, and that was Mayfair. Mayfair, yeah, and they were building three or four. It was one residential house, wasn't it? Yeah, 
and they were digging down, and they were putting a car lift in and all these kind of things. And we actually went around the site, didn't we? And mind-blowing. And that's obviously not going to work everywhere in London because you're planning permissions. You've got you know, the ground surveys to see what's under it. There's you know, tubes, wells, tunnels, tubes. <laughs> yeah, trains. We don't get that in Wellingborough. <laughs> no. um, but there's all those constraints as well. So it doesn't mean it can happen everywhere. But if you can solve a problem that other people either can't solve, don't have the vision to solve, don't have the, you know, the, the team, the capacity, the patience, you know, to solve those problems, that's when you can definitely, you know, you can be the one that, that makes good money if you get it right, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So we talked basements, we talked commercial conversions, but you mentioned a word there that I wanted to come back to and you said airspace. So that is another strategy to look for in London. So what airspace means is basically building on top of an existing building. So it's not commercial conversion, not converting the actual building. You're converting the space above. Now, there's a few things to be cautious on on airspace. One is, well, so I suppose structure. You're building on something that's already been, already been built for a purpose. So if the structure of that building is not strong enough to support the new structure, then that's going to be an issue. So that's going to need to be checked. And how, how can you go and check that? Uh, well, you, if you were that far into it, you'd go and get a structural engineer's report. So they would come and do a survey on it. But, you know, there's some simple checks you can do. Because obviously, when we're looking at doing developments, we want to get into those things at the right time. You know, that you can't get a structural engineer's... You can't go out and find 10 potentials by just walking the streets and then instruct your structural engineers to go no. and have a look at all them. You've obviously got to get down the line in some way. So we have a, a quick calculation, which we've, we've covered in other episodes and things like that. And um, same with that. I actually looked at a building this morning. It wasn't in London, but um, it was an existing building, which was a an old BT exchange. And it's absolutely bomb-proof. You know, like I did a site visit with the owner um, and I spoke to my planning consultant or our planning consultant earlier. And we came to the conclusion that the building, you know, it was built with solid concrete floors, solid concrete walls. It's a big, solid, flat roof, massive ceiling heights, um, and, you know, you can tell just from going and doing a site visit or even looking at it from the outside that putting a lightweight story on top, like a mansard roof, so you can imagine it where it's maybe inset from the original square building, going up at a bit of an angle, a lot of glass, you know, just an extra story on top out of timber, is going to be absolutely no problem for that building at all. Yeah. If you've got, uh, you know, an old factory with no footings um, built 150 years ago, and you know it's already looking a bit crumbly and all those kind of things and you're perhaps going to have a bit more of a problem but the first case is going to be visual isn't it you know does it look like it's going to be a problem building on top of it um and then if you don't think it is you can progress further forward if you think it is you know you can always progress further forward but you just need to caveat in your offer that you need to get a structural survey you know you're not going to the day you offer on a building isn't the day that the money comes out the bank is it you know you it starts the process doesn't it Absolutely. Um, so yeah, structure is one of the things that to be cautious of. The other thing um, is the freehold. I think if you, unless you are buying the freehold of that building, I think I'd just stay away from it. We've done leasehold conversions before, and it's as much as the freeholder was was all for it at the beginning, their solicitor wasn't. So it was very. It got complicated in the end, but yeah, we we got through it. But it's just such a an extra thing you like you just don't want but to I, I think this it. is where people can solve a problem that others won't do though because in London quite often you're going to be tied to someone else's freehold aren't you yeah. you know we're talking like we're in Northamptonshire there but in London you may have to solve those issues 
but get a good solicitor understand you know the constraints around it understand the permissions around it understand what the other people in the building if there's other residents living there you know are they under the freehold you know they got their own freeholds understand what you know how how the process would be going forward because else you can make your life real hard can't you yeah and basically from a leasehold you need permission from the freeholder to do anything um, and it's disruption as well. That's the final one I was going to say is the t- disruption of anything that's already there. So if you're building above an existing building and you're not converting that building, obviously you're going to be doing some building work. And if it is a if it's an office, let's call it I don't know, a phone cent- a phone call center or something that's going to be taking phone calls, you do not want drilling in the background. So mm. they're not going to want to have anything. So there's a few restrictions to look for, but airspace in London is is certainly possible. I remember that one of our students was looking at a airspace development on Euston Road and that mm. was it was a single story building but two doors down was a seven story um a seven story um kind of like an office block but there's precedent there now structure is going to be the big thing there because that was a single story build and you're trying to build a seven story build so it's a bit more complicated in that sense but um look airspace is good commercial conversions are good um land if you can find it fine you can find it but it's going to be complicated to, to try and find that sometimes so i think in london you want to focus on the commercial conversions and the um airspace developments i would say okay the other thing to consider in london though is we have and we'll probably talk this about this in more detail in a, another episode but we have community infrastructure levy so still when we're doing developments um in london there is a an additional mayor's sill so there's two SIL payments to potentially pay. So we'll go into that in more detail. I'm not going to get into the detail of that on this because that's going down a completely different avenue. But just be cautious in London, you might be paying two lots of community infrastructure levy. Okay, good tip. Okay. Um, yeah, and I think in London in general, then deals can be done. We've had students in the past that have done developments in London. Well, say easily, they've done them um, and they've got through the process. So yeah, certainly don't let london put you off about finding deals it may just be the developments. scale but we've we've all equally got students who are on our courses and learning to be developers because they had a couple of you know buy to let rentals or serviced accommodation units that they got you know years ago in london and it's funding their lifestyle and their whole development journey because yeah. you know london can give you those returns as well can't it so you know buying right keeping and holding and getting something which at the day you buy it's still going to seem expensive because it's in London, but 10 years later with capital growth, you know, there's you, yeah, that's where you get the capital growth in places like London. So, you know, it's, it's difficult for people to see forward, though. People always judge on the past and where they're at now, don't they? Yeah. But, you know, you can be in the northeast and you'll get a cheap property on day one, but in 10 years' time, it's not really going to gone up much, whereas you've got the opposite in, in London, haven't you? Yeah, that's it. and look, the process is the same. It's just an extra zero on the end. That's kind of the only, yeah, the only thing to consider. And if you can get over that first hurdle of, of finding the money and finding the deals, then as you say, the compound effect after that is that inflation or capital appreciation will be a lot higher, quicker because you're yeah, ten percent on a million pound is more than ten percent on a hundred thousand pounds. So yeah. yeah, if you can get over that hurdle, yeah, awesome. London's calling. Leave it at that. 